So this is what we're going to be in all summer. It's a series on the Psalms. And uh, if you are somebody who has a hard time with a, like emotional honesty, anyone have a hard time with that either personally or you have a hard time when you and other people are doing their emotionally honest thing, right? You even need to do it in quotes. Anybody? You're like, oh my gosh, no, please, no, more emo in this world. needs less emo. Yeah, that's okay. This is going to be a hard one for you. The Psalms are this incredibly beautiful book of poetry, most of which, or potentially all of which, we're not exactly sure, were meant to be sung. Not just read, but sung. We say this often when we come together in church, and I, I This is a hard thing for some of us. You don't come up in a church culture to come and you sing together. Even when I notice when people go to shows these days, how many of you regularly attend concerts? See, not even that many of you. Even when I've noticed when people do go to shows, uh, more and more, I I came up in the like anthemic kind of bands. Those are the bands I always loved. So whether it was like hardcore punk rock anthemic, like participatory is a better way to put that. Or whether it's, uh, some people know I, I, I dabble in U2. I, I sort of half enjoy U2. I think Bono's okay. Um, that's a joke. Next to Jesus. Um, I came up, when you go to shows, you sang. How long to sing this song? It could be stupid and nonsensical words. Anyone ever listen to Oasis? Nobody knows what they're talking about. Never, at any point. But like when you hear like, baby, I'm going to be the one that saves me. And after all, you're my wonder wall. What on earth is a wonder wall? <laughs> Anyone, please come up. Let me know. When we hear, when we participate in these shows, I'm the kind of person I go to a concert and it's like, yes, it's a letting go or it's a sadness or it's a joy. Some of us experience that. How many of you like to go dancing? Yes. So when we go, <laughs> how dare you? Some of you, like, in a really, like, conservative environment, you're like, oh, can I do that? I have a great dancing Baptist making love joke I'll tell later if you want to hear it. I'm not going to tell it from the front. Solid, solid work. Love my Baptist brothers and sisters. Interesting that when we go and we dance, there's this participatory nature, right? Not just with other people generally, but even folks who are just like are kind of off in their own world. Remember, you know that like guy or girl who's like off in the corner and they're just like having the time of their life. And you're like, that is hideous. That is not dancing. But you can tell that they are lost in it. Anyone? Anyone? You are that person, right? The music's on and you know full well that you are awful, right? But you're just like, like that. Yeah, I got more of that coming from. man. It, there's a participation, there's an honesty in allowing like the words or the beat or the music that's being to like actually affect how you're feeling. We do this exercise with the after school art kids um, and uh, I'm gonna do my best to attempt to try to do a little piece of this. So if you have a pen uh, on your pencil, could you um, take it out? Maybe turn your bulletin over. Maybe you have your sketchbook out already. And just like kind of draw what comes to mind here. Yeah. We'll see if this works. 
Okay, ready? Now what comes to mind? Like lines, drawings, pictures? Where's your pen go? What colors are in your head? Like, where's your pen? Go. We tell our kids, like, just like, they usually have a bunch of colors in front of them. Just like, go. Some of the kids, like, in this moment when the country comes on, like, oh, gosh, no. Right? And then I play something like this. And they're just like, start like, black lines get really jagged and they get really, really energetic. Any MXPX people out there? No? Come on. This gets really blue. Selena. That's right, Selena Gomez is on my phone. Don't clap for that, it's darkness. <laughs> if I were to go through and play, I thought about like playing like, you know, for a lot of you, it's like 90s, early 2000s songs, right? That are like embedded in your high school or junior high experience. And you're like, oh, that brings me to a place. It's in there and it evokes a certain energy. Or for those of you who still listen to music really actively, as you hear a, a, a song sung, sometimes it's not just in response to you, but like you're going through something and so you put that record on. You're going, like, you're feeling amazing. You just got out of whatever, and you put on the pop song that is just candy, and you don't care that Carly Rae Jepsen is blasting in your car, right? And you're just, like, losing your mind, and you're not sure why. And some of you, it's just like, I need to rage against the machine a bit, and so literally rage against the machine gets put on. Like, we have this, these sort of uh, relationships with songs and music and poems, And this is the Psalms many writers have talked about, this book of poetry and music and worship. Kind of hit, many have talked and argued, kind of the full range of human emotion. And what it does is it's this invitation to be honest before God. It's an invitation. The Psalms invite us to be honest before him. And for some of us, that's actually a rather difficult task. It's difficult to lay bare exactly what's happening in our heart. Sometimes because we're not even sure what's happening in our heart. But for some of us, I think some of it actually relates back to a deep feeling and distrust that God, like that's an okay thing to bring before the God of the universe. Or that's an okay thing to be real about. Or if I go down that road of doubt, I don't know where that will lead me. If I express my anger in this situation, I'm okay expressing it to my spouse, but before God. <laughs> and I think when we come together and we sing, right, we even have a hard time in this setting. We, we joke about it a lot, 
But we, you know, I know it didn't sound very good, but when we got up and we sang like as full tilt as we get in church, rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise. Like that was written by the uh, lead singer of a band called Thrice, which is sort of a, 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 a post-hardcore band, like an aggressive band that is very anthemic in their nature. And so I can hear his like voice in that of coming out of like, how could you not raise your hands to the sky or go down on one knee? I know that's not everyone's posture and blah, 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 all the prefaces aside, but like I sometimes wonder, like, do I need to will myself in the morning? I'm not naturally very expressive when I come to worship. And yet I have literally conditioned myself to realize I get, I get amped up for a show. I lose my mind watching the Pats play in the fall. <laughs> Like I throw things and when it comes to church, like rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. You know, again, this isn't like, I'm not trying to coerce anything or some emotional response, but we're talking about Jesus, the God of the universe who loves us and has forgiven us and given us the only purpose that matters. I'm not yelling at you, I'm yelling at me. And the Psalms, they go, I don't care how your day was, rejoice. Or sometimes the Psalms go, I really care how your day was. I'm with you in this. And so we mourn. A year ago, this time was when the shooting in Charleston happened. I mean, this happened last week in our service. We like build in sad, mournful, lamenting, hard songs. We build them into our our service and our liturgy. We send out reminders and prayers. If you like follow any like devotional apps, they all sort of change oftentimes when like crisis hits because we need to feel the weight of what's happening and sometimes we need language to appropriate the ache, the doubt, the anger, the pain, the fear that we have in our hearts and know how to lift it up to God and the Psalms do that for us. So before I get into a few examples of this and my job today is to sort of give a little bit of a uh, overview teaching on what the Psalms are and how we might engage them this summer. And I'm going to go through a few examples that I think are really helpful and heartfelt to me. But I, I wanted to read this to you because no sermon series on the Psalms given partially by Pastor Andrew can exist without a few more quotes from Bono. For those of you who don't know, Bono is the lead singer of the greatest band in the world. <laughs> I'm going to stop. This is what Bono, this is a clip of what he says about the Psalms, and I love it because I think it gets at the heart of things. He says, explaining belief has always been difficult. How do you explain a love at the heart of the universe when the world is so off kilter with this? Has free will got us crucified? And what about all the dodgy characters who inhabit the Bible, who hear the voice of God? Explaining faith is impossible. It's vision over visibility, instinct often over intellect. A songwriter plays a chord with the faith that he will hear the next one in his head. One of the writers of the Psalms was a musician, a harp player whose talents were required at the palace as the only medicine that would still the demons of the moody and insecure King Saul of Israel. It is a thought that still inspires me. Marilyn Monroe sang for Kennedy, the Spice Girls for Prince Charles. (laughs) At age 12, I was a fan of David. He felt familiar like a pop star could feel familiar. The words of the Psalms were as poetic as they were religious. Before David could fulfill the prophecy and become the king of Israel, he had to take quite a beating. 
He was forced into exile and ended up in a cave in some no-name border town facing the collapse of his ego and the abandonment by God. But this is where the soap opera got interesting. This is where David was said to have composed his first psalm, a blues. That's what a lot of psalms feel like to me, the blues. People shouting at God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? I hear echoes of this holy row when unholy bluesman Robert Johnson howls, there's a hellhound on my trail. Or Van Morrison sings, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Or Texas Anderson mimics the Psalms in justice blues. I cried, Lord, my father, Lord, kingdom come. Send me back my woman, then thy will be done. Humorous, sometimes blasphemous. The blues were backsliding music, but it is there, its very opposition, it flattered the subject of its perfect cousin gospel. The last point. Abandonment and displacement are the stuff of my favorite psalms. The Psalter, the psalm book, may seem to be about gospel music, but for me it's the despair that the psalmist really reveals the nature of his special relationship with God. Honesty, even to the point of anger. The Psalms, you see, affirm that you can be yourself in front of God. They affirm the whole of human emotion. The Psalms were Jesus' prayer book. This is what Jesus would have sung and prayed in the temple. The Psalms were the place where he would go and worship or go and get away. This is what any good rabbi would do. He would go and reflect on the Psalms. He would pray often to God through the Psalms. Jesus and Paul quote them constantly as though people who breathed them. N.T. Wright says, behind those, these references of them quoting the Psalms, I believe an entire world in which the Jewish people were singing and praying the Psalms day by day and month by month, allowing them to mold their character, shape their worldview, and to frame their reading of the rest of Scripture. There's a couple kinds of Psalms. And if you've ever gone through them and read through them before, how many of you have ever spent some time reading the Psalms before? Some of you. You'll notice there's all these different kinds and it makes sense that this would have been Jesus' songbook, Paul's songbook, that this was the way in which these first people interacted with God. It was through the language of the Psalms. There's Psalms of praise and thanksgiving. These These are the pop songs. These are the thank you, thank you, thank you songs. These are the rare form of somehow joy in the midst sometimes of heartache. Your love endures forever. These, there were psalms of lament. Lament uh, is, uh, another way to put psalms of lament is, uh, quote, it sucks to be you. It's, it, it, the, the lament psalms are the ones I think we often have a hardest time with. They're the ones of like, everything is awful. Some psalms, we'll get to a few examples in a minute, just end with like, like you're waiting for the peaceful resolve and it just ends with like a thud, like darkness. Because sometimes that's where we're at. Amen? How many of you need words to be put to your experience right now? Where like everything is wrong. Everything feels wrong. Is that okay that I say that in front of God? Is it okay that I can just lament and cry out? Is it okay that I can wonder where God is? Because he doesn't seem to be here right now. God, 
why have you forsaken me? Where are you at? I'm dying here. I don't know what to do. There's Psalms of, um, they're called the imprecatory Psalms, which is a really fancy word you can impress people with. Imprecatory Psalms basically are the equivalent. I was trying to think of a good example of the imprecatory Psalms. Um, I don't have a good like actual song, but they're basically any song you've ever heard, like a breakup song that's sort of like, I hope you die. That's the imprecatory Psalm. It's the, I hope you die Psalm. Go through and read, like the end of Psalm 63. It's one of the most beautiful Psalms and you'll be reading it and it'll just be like, oh, I yearn for God and I find him and behold him in the sanctuary and God is so good. And it ends with, would my enemies get eaten by jackals? I'm not making stuff up. This is in the book of Psalms. That's how it ends with, and may my enemies, may may their kids be bashed against rocks. Seriously? This is why some people have a hard time with the Bible. That's how it ends. That's how some of these songs, there's an honesty about, I, 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 am, I am over it. Anyone know that brand new? Anyone remember the band Brand New? Dating myself right here. Yeah, that song, that awful song, the breakup and the bridge about driving yourself home. I'm not gonna repeat it, but you know what I'm talking about. That's like imprecatory, like, ha, 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 you cheated on me. I hope you die. I don't mean to sound blasphemous. These are literally the actual literal words of scripture. Because sometimes your, your enemies feel like they're all around you and you're like, God, not where are you? I'm like, well, you just, these people are the worst. God does not validate these, these things so often in the terms of going, oh, sweet, you want me to bash some heads? Yeah, I'm on it. Thanks for letting me know. But it allows us to actually give words and music to how we're feeling and allow ourselves to be honest about that ache. They're wisdom psalms that just grant us this insight into how things are. Insight into the fact that though I'm going through X, Y, and Z, God is still good. And they remind us. They remind us. And then they're the royal psalms. The psalms that lift God up and go, you know what? I'm not the one on the throne. I'm not the one guiding human history. I'm not the one who can forgive they put God where he's supposed to be on the throne and not us sort of judging what we like about God and what we don't. The royal Psalms, there's these grand Psalms. You can break these up into all different categories, but these are sort of the main groupings. And so some of my favorite Psalms that kind of get into this about grief and anger. If you have your Bibles, I'm just gonna read a few snippets and then we'll wrap up together. I just wanna give us a picture of what we're dealing with. And how a few, hopefully, some helpful things at the end of this teaching of how you can begin to engage these over the summer. I think this summer could be amazing for us as a community. Like really powerful. As we learn so much of our time spent, if you've been around our church, has been how do we grow in listening to the voice of God? What does it mean for us to actually trust what what God says in scripture is true in terms of how he relates to his people and equips his people and speaks to his people, leaning into things like the prophetic. I think the Psalms help us become more honest and real and attentive to the God who is here and with us. They help us in a season for many of you, the summer is rest. The Psalms help condition us to be able to listen to the voice of God, know where we are at, draw better boundaries to know where God's moving and only move in those directions. I think there's so much beauty 
that can come from a group of a couple hundred of us committing ourselves, like committing ourselves to being more honest before God. And for some of you, I recognize too, this isn't just the sorrow that you're going through or the cultural anxiety you may be feeling. For some of you, just the pure joy and a deepening, deepening gratefulness because we're all moving for of the gift that is today. The gratefulness of the gift that is today. So Psalm 6 mirrors the way in which grief and anger are mixed. Uh, there's this lament in it that says, I am exhausted with my groaning. Every night I drench my pillow with tears in verse six. And then it leads to rage. I have grown old surrounded by my foes. Leave me, you who do evil. This is this, Psalm 6 kind of invites us into this place of being um, real about the gr- how anger and grief are so often mixed together. And that anger, we have to, we, we're responsible for our response in that anger if it's loving and patient and self-controlled. But we can allow, some of you need permission to be angry. Maybe some of you need permission to, I'm angry at myself. I'm angry at the world. I'm angry at the boogeyman. I don't even know where and where to point my fist at. I'm angry at that person and allow God to be able to speak into that place. Psalm 38 is, is powerful and, and a bit dark. It stands kind of right at the edge of depression. And so there's all of this bitter self-accusation that crashes against this really small voice of hope. The Psalm, uh, one uh, writer points out, this Psalm is clinically accurate in that it's portrayal of extreme melancholy. Like, like it's actually accurate in how melancholy works. The verse is the very light has gone from my eyes in verse 10. My pain is always before me. And its praise is found only in the possibility of hope. It is for you, O Lord, that I wait. Psalms speak to us in the midst of our depression. They relate to us. God gives voice to the the light is like gone from my eyes. I have some good friends who struggle with depression and I've learned just from listening to them that so much of it isn't just like a sadness or an anger. They almost wish they could get to there. It's just sort of a blankness. The light's gone from my eyes. And so I wait. I can go before God and say, God, the light has gone from my eyes. And Lord, I want to wait for you. That helps gives channel and language to go before the throne. Psalm 77, I don't have enough time to get into. Uh, maybe I'll preach on this later in the, the summer. But Psalm 77 is this beautiful picture of of deep emotion. It's like the writer is heading towards despair. So the writer's hit pain and is moving to a place of absolute despair. And then he stops midway and he goes, but I will meditate on your works. In other words, I will remember who you are and remember what you've done. I know that I'm the fickle one, not you. I know you're not the one who's distant. It's me. And he stops And the pain's still real and he could keep descending into despair, but he stops and he meditates and he begins to move toward God. And then in this moment, all of a sudden, all of this hope and joy well up. Psalm 77, it's a good one. (laughs) Psalm 63, as I mentioned before, is this yearning. It's one of my favorite Psalms to read. 
I was actually talking to a number of you about this sermon series, and Psalm 63 came up multiple times. Let me just read the beginning to you. Maybe you can close your eyes if you like, if you're comfortable, listen. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. The psalmist in this part of the psalm, it goes on. I read this often at night. I read this as a reminder of like, of what has come before me, of the very posture I want to wake up in is yearning for more of God. Sometimes this psalm has been a prayer. It's not been like a declaration. What's the two words that come up most often that I just read? Do you remember? I will. I will. I will do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You don't get a sense of what's actually going on in the psalmist's head. He's like, I will glorify you. I will think of you. I will be sad. He's orienting himself. Sometimes this for me turns into a prayer because I feel far. I feel distracted. I feel weighed down. I feel anxious. And it's that moment. I was driving home last night and I was thinking about all the things that I'm sort of like conflicted about and trying to figure out and feeling weird about and stuff happening in the world and blah, 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 right? The normal kind of stream of consciousness that a lot of you probably have. And it dawned on me as I'm thinking about preaching on the Psalms, maybe I should read the Psalms. So Psalm 63 is one of those Psalms I have mostly memorized. And so in my mind, as I'm driving home, I just, just shifted over. Everything else became still. Everything else became still and it was just, Lord, I thirst for you. You are my God. In a dry and weary land, Lord, I know, Lord, that you provide for my thirst. I know that. And then out of this just simple moment of like two minutes of reflecting on this psalm, God just gifted me with so much peace, so much rest, and actually insight into a lot of the things I was struggling with, like directly in that moment. Psalm 136 Psalm 136 is one of those psalms um, that like, uh, this is to me like the great joy and the gift that pop songs are to us. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts. His love endures forever. It goes on like this for many, many, many verses. How many we got? 26 verses. And it just ends with his love endures forever. That's like the bass note. It's the hook. Over and over, his love endures forever. I was thinking of this psalm a couple weeks back, thinking of, oh my gosh, my daughter. Oh, I'm so grateful that she's healthy right now. She may not always be. God, your love endures forever. Man, thank you that the relationship with my brother has gotten healed. Your love endures forever. God, I'm so thankful that so-and-so is finally back on their feet. Lord, your love endures forever. And it was like, this sounds really mechanical, 
But it was just incredible how like just reading the Psalm, I came to that point in my devos and I just started to repeat and it made me more grateful than I have ever been. It was attributing all the blessing and goodness that I saw around me and my friends and in my own heart. And it reminded me that the source of everything that is good and beautiful is God. Amen? There's a couple ways we can read the Psalms. Right, The Psalms, actually, if we're going to talk about being formed by them, then one thing that's been really helpful for me has been rewriting them, sort of just like I did. Like, I don't know what your regular practice is of devotion or prayer, but to actually stop, to carve out some time. And uh, I was going to read one to you, and it was in, the best one is still too fresh <laughs> for even some of the folks in our community, I'm sure. It was going through one of the worst breakups ever. It was like a four-year relationship tanked. I hurt a lot of people in how I handled it. It was like anyone ever broken up with somebody and instead of it being like a, you just went over their house and you broke up with them, you decided, hey, why not drag this out for a year? Anyone got a story like that? Come on. It was like, a, oh, I've been breaking up with you for a year. It was awful. And it was through some of that time that I realized how much pain I was bringing to myself and to, my, and to others and to this person that I was with, not with, that I began, someone said, you should start to write out the Psalms. And so I wrote them out in my language. And as I go through, just like we did with the, your love endures forever, it was like beginning to appropriate what's happening in my own life in the Psalms. And it allowed me to like unlock stuff that was in there that I didn't know. God used the Psalms to encourage me to be my therapist, to speak into my life in powerful ways. It was amazing. And see, this sort of immersion into the Psalms, this like, this uh, allowing them to get their like hands and fingers and grip over our actual emotions and help us be more honest is how the scriptures demand to be read. They demand to be read in this way. And the Psalms more than ever being this emotive and powerful and honest book. Let me give you uh, just a picture. You ever seen a dog with a bone kind of like take it into the corner like of a room? Like they get a hold of a nice juicy bone. Anyone have a dog? Know somebody? My, my friend Rusty, or my, sorry, my friend Chris had a dog named Rusty. And uh, he was my friend too. I remember him coming home, taking it and coming in with this bone that he had found, and there was literally still flesh on the bone. And so he, he, I don't know what it was from, he brought it in. And what I thought when he was growling, like this kind of low guttural, like, <clears throat> I thought it was directed at me or like the people around us, so like we didn't go near his bone. I did a little reading, and though that may be part of it, but that's more so when they actually just bark at you. For them, it's like the, I don't know, it's like eating it north. It's like, if you listen really closely when people are eating it north, they're all growling. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> What's so funny about this, right? It made me, uh, Eugene Peterson, it made me, Eugene Peterson points this out. He talks in Isaiah, how there's this passage about as a lion growls uh, over its prey. And the word growl there that's in Isaiah 31 is the same word used in the Psalms for meditate. 
Some of you don't think it's as cool as I do. Like meditate on, on the law, meditate on God, meditate on these words, meditate on the Psalms. It's the same word used elsewhere as this growl, as a lion growls over its prey. <laughs> I gotta stop doing that. I'm gonna weird everybody out. Savoring, right? In the Psalms, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I think there's something about that. It's like having a cough drop in your mouth, like letting it just soak in, growl over to consume it, to hold it, to meditate, to cherish it. It's like eating the words. And I wanna invite you this summer to eat the words of the Psalms. I wanna invite you this summer to growl over the words of the Psalms and allow them into your life. Don't keep them at a distance. This isn't about manufacturing sadness or joy, but it is about allowing the words of God to reorient our heart in an honest fashion toward God. The Psalms make us uncomfortable because they don't allow us to deny either the depth of our pain or the possibility of its transformation into praise. The Psalms don't let us deny what we're going through They don't let us not be honest, but they also do not deny us the opportunity to allow this ache to be turned into worship. Honesty, honesty. The Psalms remind us that not only can can you be yourself in front of God, not only can you be real in front of God, but that God wanted these words written down to give voice to what we're going through. Like, think about that. It wasn't just that, like, the Psalms allow us to be honest. God was like, yeah, all of this doubt and all of this pain and all of these blues and all of this gospel, I want this in there. I want this in there. I want this to be the songbook and the way my people relate to me. Because God, remember, a broken and contrite spirit is what he's after. Because remember, when we are honest and transparent before God, that is the moment when God so often shows up because we've removed the walls and the barriers. So, as we come to the table this morning, we're gonna sing this song. Uh, some of you may have heard, we've never really done it here, or at least down, or in the morning. And it kind of echoes a good chunk of the Psalms where it's like, even when it hurts, I will praise you. Even when things look like they're falling apart, I will reorient myself around that which is most true. Even when I feel lost and confused, even when I feel anxious and alone, even when there is joy in my heart, I know that there is a source I'm to appropriate that joy to. Even when I am on top of the mountain, I know that there's an even higher mountain to climb a greater height of his love, a greater height of gratefulness, that even when I will praise you. See, the Psalms in their essence invoke in us, hopefully, a passion to seek the God who is not far off, but the God who is with us, the God who has made himself known in the person of Jesus and shown us how, like we talked about last week, how good a father he is. 
It shows us how merciful he is to show us and remind us that he will take care of the evil and brokenness in this world, that our God is just and we can leave that to him, to show us that he is inviting us into his story. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, before he went to the cross, broke bread and said, this is my body given to you. Do this, eat this in remembrance of me. And this is the cup, the wine that represents the new covenant, the new relationship, the God who is as close as our breath, who's imprinted his law on our hearts. This is a symbol of this. And as often as you take this bread and drink this cup, remember me. Remember what I've done. Remember who I am. There's so many invitations for us when we come to the table. But the one at the center, the one that's always there, is this grand picture of even in the pain and loss and brokenness of our own hearts and of the world. God and his mercy and his forgiveness. God and his love has come and met us right where we are. So I want to invite the greeters or the servers to come up. And I want us to just take a minute Are we doing on Howard? Great. Just to take a moment. Before we even start to come up. And even though we don't have the Psalms in front of us at the moment. If you would, uh, if you're comfortable with this, um, whatever the posture of openness Maybe it's turning your hand up like this. Maybe it's lifting your hands up. Maybe it's just like feet on the ground and head bowed. Just like physically, just kind of make yourself open. And I just want to pray for us and then take a moment and sit in the stillness of this moment. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I will wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. Church, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. Help us to taste and see, God, that you are good. That your love endures forever. That though life can be brutal, joy can be explosive, doubts are very real. And today is a gift. And all of that, Lord, would you remind us that you are still on the throne, that you are good, your love 
endures forever. Amen.